Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Please be seated. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick comment on this sermon series we're about to begin. Uh, Rip and I, as you know, Rip is the pastor for discipleship and evangelism, or as I like to call it, grow and go. And uh, he, he and I have been working for several months now to uh, kind of work out what we're going to be doing this coming year in focusing in classes and studies and other things on how to help us grow and go into the world. The, uh, the danger with just growing is that knowledge puffs up uh, sometimes, but it doesn't get us to actually go do anything. You know, it's just like, well, I learned some more today. Uh, and that's a good thing to do. But we also need to apply those things that we learn. And uh, we are going to be looking at how do we get out into the world? How do we engage people, turn normal everyday conversations into gospel conversations? How do we share through prayer, healing, God's power with others so that it is a witness to the truth of the gospel? So we're going to be doing a lot of that this coming year. And uh, I'm actually eating into your sermon time, so reset the sermon clock. Okay. Yeah, or I'm going to take it anyway. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you Rip and his uh, preaching today, and we ask you, Lord, that the words he speaks come from your heart and that they take root in our hearts and give us a hunger, Lord, to be with you, to host your presence in our lives, and to share your good news with everyone we encounter. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Has a design, a way things should be done. As humanity, you know, you and me, we have chosen sin and have departed God's design. But God in his goodness and grace has made a way for us to be made right, to be made whole. He has sent us good news, the gospel. We then begin this incredible pursuit of Jesus where he takes us as broken sinners and turns us into bold men and women willing to live our life on a mission. So let's begin this journey together now of what it looks like to take everyday conversations and turn them into gospel conversations. Well, good morning, and thanks for um, the introduction, Father Henry. I, I want you to hear this as we begin to talk about this. This in no way is something that we've come up with a program that's going to revolutionize our church. It's going to make people just flock in. That was never the intent was just to come up with a plug and play type of program that does that. Our desire really has been all along is that we'd begin to teach scriptures and that we began to really focus on discipleship, it was that we wouldn't plug and play something and come up with a marketing scheme, but there is something that moves us, that we live more and more like God designed us to live, the way he created us. And that's what we wanted to begin to focus on for all of us. How do we do that? How do we live the gospel out right where we are in a world that's around us? And that's what we did as we started to look at this. 
And there's three circles, and they'll become more clear as we go through the next couple of weeks. We're going to stick to this. We'll do two more sermons that will follow the, the pattern, and then there will be three weeks of class that follows that. Now, we could have done this to come up with numbers, but it really isn't. It's not just about growing a congregation. It really is about deepening your relationship with Christ. And as we talked about a year ahead, what do we want? What we really want is for us to encounter Christ in a new way, in a very real way, in a way that transforms our lives, but not only to leave it right there, to sit in our cocoon away from everyone, but really to begin to share that transformational love of Christ with others. It's who we are. It's where we enter. It's where we enter into the world. So to do that, we have to get a better understanding of who we are and the way God has designed us, what he's made us for. Because oftentimes I think that the world around us forgets the fact that God created and made us. If we go back to the very beginning and we look at creation, God's plan has always been there. If we look at um, what it has been and his design, he created the world, everything in it with purpose, and then he created us. I'm going to read the passage of scripture because I think it's really important that you get this. All the things you created, the things that take our breath away as we go into the mountains or we see this vista or a sunset that we go, gosh, someone created that. It's amazing. But I want you to sit in your seats and know you you are the most amazing creation. Because of all the things that have the, the imprint of God's design, you are the image bearers of our creator. In Genesis, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then as it closes out, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. God created us in his own image. Do you hear that? Think of the love that you have for your child that maybe bears your image, or maybe doesn't, but the love that we have. A father who created us, and we are his image bearers. And that is amazing. So if God created us in his image, don't you think there's probably a plan and a design for our lives and what they're to look like? Think about this. Through his son, he gave us restoration. Even though we had broken this relationship, had broken the way it was intended to be, he still restored us. Restored us in relationship for those that believe. So if God sent a way for us to be restored in a relationship, shouldn't we pay attention to the words in the life of Jesus. That not only did he create us in his image, but that as we messed things up along the way, that he made a way for us to come back to him, to draw us to himself. I want you to think about this, that it says that God sent his son, and it says in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory is as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Or in the first chapter of Colossians, it says in 1, 15 and 16, he is, the invi- he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now listen to this. All things were created through him and for him. What an amazing, beautiful picture of a God that loves deeply, that moved first towards us, that created us in his image. There is a plan and a design for you as we become God's representatives, his representation on this earth. But if we're going to do that, we have to pay particular attention to what Jesus spoke and what he, the impact our lives as disciples and what we look like in the words in the Gospel of Matthew that we say every single week. I want to pay particular attention to this because it's important that we see these things. What does it say, the Great Commission, as we walk out each week? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the design of the Father was to partner with him, for us to partner with him, to be his representation to the world. He's given us a clear mission, each of us, not just the people that stand up here, but each of us. He's given a mission. He's told us to go. This is part of his design. So how are we doing? How are we doing not just here, but how are we doing in the world? How are we doing as believers? Are we entering into the lives of those around us that are without? Let me read you a few statistics that are a little alarming. And please hear this. As I read these statistics, it's not to to throw any stones, it's anything like that, or go, well, it's, the world's falling apart and there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, go read some of the Old Testament and you realize it's always been a little messy. <laughs> so here's what is the first Gallup poll that studied church membership started in 1937. First time that they went to folks and did a poll and said, kind of to get a sense of how many people are engaged, church members, religiously affiliated some way, somehow, that identify in that way. In 1937, 73% of the United States was engaged in some form or fashion that responded, yes, we are affiliated. And over the next six decades, till the late, till 1997, hear this, this is important, 1997, it hovered around 70%. Didn't really drop below that much at all. So from 1937 to 1997, kind of going from 73 and 1997, it was 69% of the United States still said they were engaged, affiliated in some way. Pretty remarkable. But I want you to hear what's happened since the year 2000. In three years from 1997 to the year 2000, when the next poll was conducted, it had dropped to 61%. So 8% dropped just in a few years. But this is even more troubling. In the last 20 years, since the last poll was taken, it's dropped to 47%. Vast, vast drop in difference in the world around us. Much of the decline comes from the rapid increase of the religious nuns, those without any religious affiliation or impacted by faith in any way. That number has increased in every living generation from 8% to the total population of 21%. So hear this. It's not just the young people who aren't paying attention. 8% was what it was for all generations that are living. And now that number has jumped to 
So there's been a big change in 20 years about what people are turning to. And we can diagnose and try to figure out all the problems and where it came from, but it's really, really important that you see this, that there is a change in attitudes, thoughts, and those that turn to God. Now, some of the numbers have changed and moved around, but the most alarming number of that is this. It's 21%. It's gone up 13 percentage points in the last 20 years. And among the young generations, the millennials and Gen Z, that number is actually 31% to 33%. So for all generations, one in five people say, no affiliation, don't believe, don't have anything, doesn't impact my life in any way. So one in five people that we run and come into contact with. And in younger generations, that number is one in three. It's a definite change in the direction that people are moving. So how do we enter into that? Again, I'm not reporting this to scare you. I'm not appointing this to point fingers and what's gone wrong, how our country is in decline, but I'm telling you this because I think there's great opportunity for us. This is an open door to be able to walk into people's lives. And we know this about people in general that where there is a void and without relationship, there is brokenness. And we know that there's opportunity to share a gospel that is full of life and truth and transformation. This is not all doom and gloom. It's opportunity for us as we walk in the world. So think about this. Where is your mission? What have you been called to? Sometimes that's hard to see. As it says in Acts, it says, but you will receive power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I want you to know this is for you. This is for me. Through the words of Jesus, it's very clear that for all of us who believe, he has a plan, and he's called us to mission. And this is the time in my strongest desire, as we talk about these things, is to equip you with the tools to share the hope, life, and truth in the world around you. I'm not saying that all of us need to go to the ends of the earth at all, but the ends of the earth for some of us may be right where we are planted. In our jobs, it may be your mission field. In your school, if you're a student, that may be your mission field. In the clubs that you belong to, that may be your mission field. We know that the field, the people around us are in need of a savior, need of hope, need of life. So there are, I want you to hear this, is God's got a plan for us and designed us a certain way. Don't you think that you're divinely planted and placed where you are? So why don't we go? Why don't we share? There could be a few reasons for this. We don't go... We don't know who to share our faith with. Like, I, I, all my friends believe. That's great. Maybe you, most of your friends are here, and, and that's easy. But he tells us to go, not stay. Go out into the world, not plant ourselves in a place where we can just be surrounded and protected. He tells us to go. Well, we don't know how to do this. It's fearful. I don't know how to approach this conversation. And that's part of why we're doing this, is to begin to give direction, point to how we begin to have conversations, spiritual conversations with people that we know and come in contact with. Or maybe we just don't think we're the right person 
So let me answer a few of these things that I hope will give you some hope. We live in a world full of broken people. It may not be your friend group, but if you don't know non-believers, maybe it's time to make some new friends. Maybe it's time to go out into the world with the people around you. Here's what I, the first thing I want you to do. Maybe it's right now. Maybe it's as you go home. Maybe it's something that you think about. I want you to write down the names of a few people that you know are hurting, broken, without faith. Write their names down and begin to pray for them today for opportunity to share. To begin to let them see that God has a design for their life. Not to tell them what they're doing wrong or why they're broken. They probably know that. But to help them see that God has designed them for himself. Over the next few weeks, we want to help you see conversationally how we can enter into these things. As we started this time, I went, I, I've spoke a lot about God created each of us for his purpose. He's given us all a mission, and you may doubt that. I'm not the right person, but I want you to think about this. In Psalm 139, it says that God created us, and he knit us together. He knows the hairs on our head. He knows the words in our mouth. He made you intimately, with great detail, specifically. If God took the time and care to make you in that way, don't you think he has something amazing for you? Don't you think he has purpose for your life? You are God's very own. He's given you everything you need. And he's placed you exactly where you are and where you need to be. So in the gospel reading today, I want to look at how Jesus entered into the world of those who were lost and separated from life and as God intended it. So from John, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades, and these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man had been there for 38 years. So let me paint the picture of what's going on. Jesus is entering in the time of a feast, the Passover, walking into Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is a walled city at the time. In fact, there's still some walls. You can walk along the walls. But there's five gates that you can enter into the city. Probably some for dignitaries and some for different people who walk in. But this is the sheep's gate. Now, the sheep's gate is exactly what it sounds like. It's where the animals came in. And in fact, at a feast like this, there may be 300 to 350,000 sheep and lamb that are going to walk through this gate. And that's exactly where... The lost, the broken, the hurting are sitting. There's no concessions for those that can't get around, for, the, for those that are physically challenged or disabled. There's no concessions in that time. And they were left to rely on the generosity or of the people that came through that gate. Maybe they were shepherds, probably those that weren't with a whole lot. And so there's five colonnades that covered up a little area, and there's a pool in the center, and these folks who were broken physically would probably wait in the shade and then try to drag themselves to the pool because there was this myth that if they could just get into this water as the angel of the Lord stirred it, then they could be healed. 
man, is that really so different what we see today? They're broken and they're looking for hope. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for a solution. And isn't that exactly what we're still doing right now in our world? Looking for a way, making an excuse for why. And maybe we chase all of these different things in the brokenness in us. Maybe it's our success, our, our finances, or our team, or addictions, any number of things. Because the myth is if we just have this, then we can have life. Well, this man had been there for 38 years. Some of you, that may be twice your age. If you're younger, some of you, it may be your whole life. And some, it may be half of your lifetime that this person has sat broken. And that's exactly where Jesus entered in. And he entered in and started a conversation. And what is the first thing that he says to him? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? Do you want life? You know how many people are probably just waiting for someone to ask them the question, do you want to be well? Do you want to stop hurting? Do you want not an imitation life, but a real life? But it takes someone asking, and that's exactly what Jesus does. And the guy makes an excuse of why it won't work. And then Jesus does what Jesus does. He knew his story. He got to know him a little bit, and he said, get up and walk. He gave life. He restored. Jesus went there where there were those that were in need, and he entered in. And are we willing to enter into the lives of those that are in need? My guess is, is it's not in some far corner, but maybe on your street or the place that you work. It says that Jesus knew this man again, and it means that he knew him and he knit him together. Of course, he's got some divine things that make it a little easier to know, but he entered into his life. And then he asked him a question that I think is still poignant today. Do you want to get well? How powerful is that question? It's getting to know a person. This is the example. It's just this easy. It's getting to know a person, know about them, and know their troubles and their brokenness. It's praying for open doors and opportunities. Have you ever had someone just unload their whole story to you? Maybe it's standing in a line at H-E-B. And all of a sudden you're standing there and someone goes, my kids are sick, my car's broken, my husband's out of town, everything's falling apart. Maybe that's an open door to have a conversation about life. Do you take them? Do we hear them? And that's what we hope to do over the next few weeks is to help us see these opportunities. How do we enter into a conversation? How do we begin to talk about spiritual things with people who may not want to hear anything spiritual? So I want you to hear this. This is the first circle, that God has a design for you, and he has a design for me. The next circle that we'll begin to talk about, if you'll pull that up, is brokenness. What are the things that are keeping us separated from God? What are the things that we're pursuing. The following week, um, we will lead from brokenness to the gospel, to repent and believe, and then from the gospel back to God's design to recover and pursue what it is for our lives. So the next few weeks, we'll do this. 
And then following that, we'll do a three-week class that will go into more details about this. We hope that this is helpful, that we begin to have these conversations because we care about the people around us, Um, not for anything other than living out the mission and design that God has given for each of us. And it's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we pray. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.